Welcome to the Dawning Bliss Podcast, where we help humans on their path to happiness, love, light, and freedom. And now, here is your host, Tanika Dawn, life coach and NLP practitioner. This episode is, I will tell you, one of those things you don't talk about, but we should talk about. Today, I have Carrie Eskridge. She is a mom, a wife, an entrepreneur, a small business owner, and seriously, just like a bubble of sunshine within our community. I met Carrie through our Chamber of Commerce and then found out we were neighbors. Uh, her and I have had the most real and genuine connection uh, on today's subject, and that's why I brought her on, is about parenting while we have trauma and mental illness and how that affects our children, our spouses, the family as a, as a unit. And I, I'm just so excited because so many people feel shame and don't talk about this, but it's something that so many of our households are struggling with. So Carrie, thank you for coming on. I'm so excited to have this conversation and to share it. One, to help people feel less alone in this world. Mm-hmm. And two, to show people how we can do it better maybe, or at least gracefully through it. How, I mean, what have your struggles been? Let's start there. So, so I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder two at 14, which is extremely early to be diagnosed with such something like that, uh, usually manifests around the 20. Um, but I, I was tried and true typical. I mean, it was, it was bipolar disorder. It was no, no doubt. Uh, along with anxiety disorder and PTSD from sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, you know, I've been through a lot. I, I had I had an incredible home life. My parents were perfect and wonderful, and I just can't thank them enough for what they did. But uh, I still experienced external trauma outside of my family. Um, along my journey, I've actually discovered that, you know, I inherited bipolar from my father. As I've learned, I've looked back and he had a lot of the signs and the anxiety comes from, you know, my mom and, um, but they didn't have words for it when they were kids. It was just, right. You know, it was just, it was just, you're, you're too much or you're, you're, uh, you're wimpy. You're like yeah. man up and you don't have real problems. And so through my journey and my learning, cause I, I truly believe that when you have a mental illness, you need to study it. You need to get real close with it. You need to know it like your best friend. Yeah. Um, and that's the biggest thing is people don't people don't learn about their mental illness. Um, I've become an expert in bipolar disorder and uh, yeah, mania is super fun and, uh, you know, anxiety. Um, yeah. The biggest thing was uh, for me being diagnosed so early and going through a hormonal change in puberty. Uh, I was on a lot of medications. I I. I was on probably every medication that was available in the nineties, trying to find the right one for me. Um, It's rough. (laughs) It is rough. It is rough. You know, especially with the side effects. You know, I remember one time I screamed at my mom because she asked me to do the dishes. I was 16. Of course I should do the dishes. I'm leaving there rent free. Um, (laughs) Lots of teenagers today about doing the dishes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and so it was really hard to decipher when I was just being an angsty teen and when I was having bipolar issues. So it was really hard to, to manage through my teen years. Um, some of the side effects were absolutely awful. You know, I, I had cyclic vomiting on one. I slept for 20 hours on another. Um, and that's something I really want to discuss is how medication works. So a lot of people, you know, 
physicians and preferred care providers and, and psychiatrists and counselors and all those people, they, they try broad spectrum first. And if that one doesn't work, then they go in and then they go in and then they go in and then they go in. Um, and a lot of people don't research the side effects. And my biggest thing was, um, suicidal ideations. You know, yeah. I, I had a couple suicide attempts and it was directly related to the medication I was on. It made me worse. But how do you decipher between teenage angst and, right. and this medication? That's a effect? real problem. I mean, that's what I'm dealing with right now. Um, without any true diagnosis right now, um, my, my 15 year old, right? He, he's struggling. We were just actually in, right? It almost feels shamey to share, but this is, this is the conversation we need to have. My, mm-hmm. my 15 year old was just in the ER. We spent all of Monday in the ER. Um, right. And how much of it is actual depression and how much of it is, is, is hormone fluctuations because he's a teen and, and demanding that independence. He, he did take a medication. It made him feel things he didn't like feeling. Um, mm-hmm. and then he took off, he got off the medication by choice, refused to take it. And then he plummeted and there. So medications are so tricky. So tricky. And especially, right, uh, for our parents, right? I still feel like, you know, I may be a parent in 2023, but I feel like a parent from the 90s because I'm so undereducated about medicine and these sort of diagnoses and how they interact. Um, So thank thank you for sharing that. I, I already feel less alone in my journey. Yeah. So, so one of the things with my medication, I actually just had an issue where, um, I have chronic back pain and my pain doctor prescribed me a pill. And the first thing I did was text my psychiatrist and say, is this going to interact with my other medications? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, he reassured me that no, this one is okay. It's even good for the anxiety that I have. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's really good. But what's really, what's really scary is, you know, I had children at 20. And uh, I didn't get managed mental health until I was 33. Oh, so 13 years of parenting without any good management of your mental health. Yeah, mismanagement. It wasn't, you know, I've said unmanaged, but that that really isn't it. It was was, mismanagement. Counseling and therapy. I've done hypnosis therapy. I've done all these therapies. And uh, my son did dialectical behavioral therapy. And he came home and he's like, you would not believe this. I think you'd benefit from this. And he told me all about it. And he's like, you really need to go to this. Cause you know, my children were interested in my mental health too, because it, it, I mean, it we impacted through, them. Yeah. We went through some terrible times and they, they're carrying trauma from my parenting. Um, you know, and I, and there's no doubt that I loved them fully and I wanted the best for them. And we had great, great, great times, yeah. but there were times where I wouldn't get out of bed. Right. You know, I'd spend three or four days in my bed. And a lot of that was uh, was depression after a mania. And my husband had to pick up the slack. My parents picked up the slack. My my older daughter would get Pop-Tarts out for the little ones. That's not her no. responsibility. No, no. She should not have ever been in that position. You know, they they really stepped up and took care of the younger siblings. But um, that's not a position an older I think that it's common though, right? I mean, if you look back over history and I want to stay on the subject, so, but I got to tell you, it's driving me <laughs> yeah. I really want to reach through the camera and fix your earring before it falls out. Oh, 
Thank you so I, much. I'm like, I, I do I interrupt? Do I? I'm, I'm no, suffering, but I'm like, I, the hero in me is like, let me fix it. Let me fix no. it. You're I'm only sorry, supposed Carrie. to correct somebody if they have five seconds to change it. If they can't fix it in five seconds, you don't mention it. I know. You know, so just... hair, my earring out. I have a little thing on my nose, you know? This is, this is real friendship. Sorry, Carrie. Hey, hey, fix your earring. I think that it's commonplace. And if you look back at history, right, kids were way more expected and responsible for younger siblings and caretaking. And I know our world has evolved so much to, to suggest that maybe that's not healthy or helpful for them, or maybe that's too much of a load for their developing um, person. But I know that in, in, you know, history reflects that, you know, I, I mean, 12 year olds, right. Even nine year olds were out bailing hay and feeding the horses and cleaning stalls and, and all kinds of things. In addition to, right. Siblings and especially females, because this was the gender bias then was that we did, right. The, the young ladies did help caretake the younger siblings. Yeah. That yeah. was normal. And, and I know that, you know, this is a different circumstance. It's not like that was your choice. Um, and maybe that's where it feels bad. I don't know if I'm saying, I don't, I don't want to be offensive here. I, I'm being no, really- no, I, I totally get that. So one of my things is that I do believe that children should be allowed to be children. And I don't, I mean, a lot of people will disagree with me and that's fine. You have your opinion, you raise your children the way yeah. you want. But for me, I didn't want my older children to be responsible for the younger ones because I wanted them to have their own childhood. Yeah. You absolutely. know, I wanted them to develop in their own ways and not be forced into that caretaker role. And unfortunately, you know, that happened um, sometimes with me when I couldn't get out of bed. And, you know, there were times I was so suicidal. One of the reasons I wouldn't get out of bed was because there was a knife in the kitchen. I couldn't get in the car and drive my kids to school because what if I decided to spin the wheel after I dropped them off? I wouldn't go on the freeway. Um, so I had enough uh, self-awareness. That's another thing. I'm very, Being self-aware of your mental illness is almost... I mean, a bigger burden because you you know, you know, you know, you know, and you can't stop it. I think awareness is one of those where ignorance is bliss comes in. <laughs> right? I We've known each other a long time. I'm pretty uh, self-aware. And yeah, sometimes I feel like ignorance is bliss because it's easier. You know, I see my kids struggling and it would be great if he had the self-awareness, but it's almost easier for him to just say, I don't know. Yeah. Right? I'm like, oh, sometimes I wish I just didn't know what I know. No. It, it is hard. It is hard. But it, like we talked about, it's so important to understand these things. And with this, this generation, like we have words. Yeah. We have words for what yes. everybody has gone through throughout history. They're not new situations. No, and the, and the conversation's more acceptable and appropriate now, mm-hmm. right? Like before that was a pretty shamey subject. It still is, right? This is why I'm like, even this conversation, excuse me, um, it's a fin- we should be having these conversations. I don't think enough people are, but that's kind of been the conversation for a while now, right? Is that we need to be having these conversations and talking about, right? That, you know what? I, I had these diagnoses and was a parent. And did that help my kids? Probably not in a lot of ways, but in other ways it did. I mean, these are the conversations we need to be having, right? That we, that we do have these words and, and we have the self-awareness to share the experience. I, I'm have I've always been depressed, but I I've I've never been necessarily suicidal. I can't relate to all of your diagnoses, but as a single mom for eleven years, um, I remember my heart breaking the day I told, uh, or well, it wasn't the day I told him, but the day I realized the weight it put on him. I told my I think he was 
somewhere between five and seven, my son, I told him, you know, he's the man of the house. I was making him feel strong and tough. And I think he had like, I'd said that since he was three, I didn't realize how much he internalized the meaning of that and how he felt a great sense of responsibility for mom's well-being, for his siblings' well-being, for the home and its well-being. And that broke this kid, right? This is the kid who's now struggling with a deep depression. Um, and he feels like he can't do anything right. In hindsight, right? I see that and I'm like, duh, right? Like I, <laughs> I broke my kid by. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? No, no seven. Wonderful. I mean, even grown adults don't have all of the tools to manage a household and be the man of the house in the way that society puts it. I put this on a seven-year-old, a three-year-old, a five-year-old, right? That poor kid. Yeah. I mean, so, so I can't relate to all the same diagnosis, but I can relate to unintentionally or unknowingly, if you will, adding burdens to them that weren't necessary. Yeah. And I guess maybe they were necessary at the time. And and just, I didn't know the effects it would have. We don't, we don't know what we don't know. Um, right. my, my biggest thing is, you know, you go back and you apologize to your kids. Um, I have a great relationship with four of my children. The older one is still mad and that she, or they have every right to be, to be mad. They'll, they'll work through it. And all I can do is, is be here. And I, I own my part in their trauma. I own my part in their mental illnesses. I mean, there's, there's mental illness that is genetic, right? If if yeah. you're going to get, yeah. you're going to get it. But there's also, you know, PTSD and anxiety is developed oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of my children have some form of mental illness and they're all a little different, but a lot of it is anxiety, and uh I, I see it, but my misbehavior, you know, like, so first of all, as mothers, we don't, we don't give ourselves enough credit and we don't give each other grace, mm-hmm. especially with social media. We only share the good stuff, but you know, my friend calls me and she's like, I don't like my kid today. And I'm like, Hey, that's <laughs> normal. Like you're not crazy. You, yeah. you that's literally a normal I, thing. I love that about you. Before we move on, I really, I really want to touch on something and, and because it's so real lately for me. And it's the apologizing to our kids. Yes. And this is this is without you having mental illness that I think it's important. Yeah. Um, right. I read something recently to a client that I wrote years ago, right after I got out of a very unhealthy relationship. I was in tears rereading it to my client. And I, I read it because I felt like, oh, my gosh, I know this story. Right. And I, I read it to her to shed some light on something and it reminded me of all the pain I put my kids through a couple of years back. And I went home and sat down and I said, you know, my 15 year old, like he cares, right? He's in the middle of a video game. But I said, buddy, I need to have a heart to heart with you for just a minute. Can can you give me that space? And I sat down and I shared with him like the premise of it. And, and I told him how sorry I was. And we had one of the sweetest, like I could choke up talking about it. One of the sweetest moments where I don't know if he even knew he needed that recognized or apologized for, but I felt it right. Cause I'd grown and, and I thought a long time ago, right. I was done apologizing cause I'm better now, yeah. but it feels like every week or month or whenever, right. Whenever it happens, something comes up and I'm like, Oh, I screwed my kids up there. I need to apologize. I hurt them. I created this belief or this trauma in them. And I'm coming back to apologize. So what's your experience been like that and in apologizing to your kids? So um, first of all, with mental illness, a lot of people use it as an excuse. I can't because. And I, you know, frame it as, you know, it's harder, but I'm going to. 
Um, well, I think that. Yeah, it, it is. It's yeah. harder to live life with a mental illness when you're when you're neurodivergent. It is harder, yeah. but it doesn't mean you can't do it. And, you know, I, I went back to my youngest daughter and I said, you know, when this particular thing happened and I reacted this way, your behavior deserved a reaction, but not the reaction I gave. Ooh. You misbehaved. I reacted incorrectly. Yeah. You were a normal child. You didn't do anything out of the norm. It was age appropriate. I didn't respond well. You know, I, uh, my, my oldest son went to a self-development conference and one of his, his, uh, homeworks was to call somebody and have a crucial conversation with them. You know, and he called me and, and he said, you know, I don't feel like you were the maternal presence that I needed as a kid. Um, good for him. Good for him. Oh, it was great. And I, you know, I told him, you know, I, I understand and I thanked him and I said, you know, I, I, I had bipolar disorder and I went through ups and downs and, you know, we had these fantastic, fun times together. And I, I know there's so much of the time I was a good mom, but people remember the bad things first. They remember yeah, they the do. our brain things. stores it. Yeah. And so, you know, I can remind my kids, Hey, remember the time we did this? And they're like, no, but I do remember the time you did this. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that was my, crappy my mom and I have fought over that a lot. So I want to share really quick. Cause you said this, uh, overreactions. This happened literally within the last week in my house. Uh, and it wasn't like years later that I apologized. It was in the moment, actually. Uh, I, it's, it's almost warranted, but not. Uh, I was, I was frustrated because I had just cleaned the kitchen, right? My kid was in there, made a mess literally right after I finished cleaning the kitchen <laughs> in there, made a mess. We moms can relate to this all over. Uh, and I'm like, I go back down there and I'm like, are you kidding me? So I start grabbing the little trash wrappers off the counter and put them in the trash, realize the trash is overflowing, like, which just amplifies my irritation. I finally, I'm like, fine, I'll just take out the trash. I'm headed out the door with the trash and I all of a sudden get smacked in the face and I'm like, ah! I'm standing at the door. I just scream. <laughs> Excuse me. I didn't scream at my child. I didn't scream at anything. I just screamed very loud for a long time. Carrie, you're my neighbor. You probably heard it. I, um, I might have heard you. I thought it was the other neighbor's chickens. <laughs> it was pretty loud. I was pretty upset. And and instantly my child, you know, kind of like shells up and runs off to their room. And I instantly felt guilty. Not because I had a reaction. I feel like a, a reaction for being hit in the face with a Frisbee was acceptable, right? I, I I feel like that's okay for me to react that she just hit me in the face with a frisbee. But was what wasn't okay was that that reaction was a volcano of fifteen other things at once, mm-hmm. and so I overreacted in that moment. And I came back to address it, and I said, "Right, I took the trash out, came back in. I said, dude." It is not okay to throw Frisbees in the house. We've been talking about this. We've been talking about balls and Frisbees and all the things in the house. You know better. Also to throw it my direction, like that that wasn't a good choice, right? Like, so I feel like I can react a little bit, but I do feel like I really overreacted in that moment. And I want you to know that all of that reaction was not for you, right? That was my crap. And I'm sorry for overreacting. And and so like, that's even today. And that's part of that self-awareness that sucks. I wish I could go back sometimes when I just yelled and didn't feel bad about it, right? Like <laughs> felt like it was all warranted. It was all her fault. That's not true. And and I'm, I'm glad to, right. I'm glad I have that awareness now. Okay. So you, 
So you were talking about your son calls you. You guys have this conversation about he didn't feel like he had the maternal uh, mommy, the maternal presence he needed. Mm -hmm. And you validated that. It sounds like. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's stories we tell each other and we tell ourselves, right? Yeah. So the way I look back at things, you know, I don't remember the things that they remember. And they remember some really traumatic things. And I've asked them. I have incredible conversations with my younger children all the time. And, uh, you know, I always, I was, you know, what's, how do you remember it? Because I remember it this way. And it's yeah. completely different. And, well, and do you know why, Carrie? Can we talk about the science in that for a minute? Go for it. I love this because I've had these conversations with my mother, which we're finally getting back to a non-abrasive relationship, I'll call it. Right. Where we're at least not hurting each other all the time. And what I remember when I was three and what my mom remembers, right? She was 23, 24, maybe when this happened to me at three, our memories are very different of that. And what I came to understand is, is why they're so different is because of the age gap, right? What does a 13 or a three year old, 13 year old, it doesn't matter, right? Their cognitive ability to recognize, identify, understand and, 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 you know, coagulate to make sense of a story is, is the capability of three or 13 year old. Mm -hmm. Whereas, right. A 20 something year old who's in a different body in a different position in the relationship to the scenario, different hormones, different hormones, different knowledge, right. Has a very different perspective. And so it's not that the three-year-old's perspective of what happened was wrong or right. And it's not that the 23-year-old's perspective was wrong or right. It's just they had different input. They had different information put into that memory, Mm -hmm. right? Based on, based on everything, based on the emotion, based on their point of view in that moment, right? Like it's like the bus rider. I don't know why this is coming to my head, but I'm going to share it because it's like the people on the bus, right? One's looking towards the dark side of the cliff and the other one's looking out over the beautiful valley. Perspective matters, right? So if I'm this small and it feels like it's dark, that memory is going to feel darker for me. If my mom is this tall and standing in front of a lighted window, it's going to feel a lot brighter for her, right? And that's like just one really small uh, concept of how we really do perceive the same scenario so differently based on the age we were in the experience. So, so your kids, right? A number of years younger than you as you're parenting them have yeah. a super different view of yeah. that exact moment or moments. So how did you work through that with him that day? I'm so curious. So it was over the phone because he was actually in California. So I just, um, I, I, I knew the call was coming because I'd been through the same course, but, uh, and I was so proud of him for confronting me. And say, yeah. Can we just like hats off to Carrie for a minute that her kid is at a personal development seminar? Like, yeah, uh, you're doing something right, mama. Yeah. It's, it's really, yeah. I'm really proud of, of all of my children, but this one, um, that moment for me. So he called and he told me about the maternal presence and a little bit about, you know, the, the hurt. And, um, I didn't, I didn't give excuses. I didn't be like, well, remember all the good times or I have bipolar disorder. Uh, it's not an excuse. It's, it's a reason, you know, I was trying, I was on meds. I was on the wrong meds. I was seeing a counselor. It wasn't helping. I was doing everything I knew how to do. I don't know what I don't know. 
Right. But I did tell him, I said, you're absolutely right. And I wish I had been better. And unfortunately, because of my mental illness, I couldn't be better for you. And I can't go backwards. But yeah. I'm so happy we have the relationship we have now. And I'm so excited to be your friend. I love that. So you know. let's talk about the other piece of this, because I know we're, you know, we're, I would, I would like to say, and people may disagree, but I would like to say you and I are both pretty high level people, right? We try not to, to stoop down or feel like a victim or, or whatever, right? We try to give lots of grace and understanding and, and maintain kind of a high level, um, peace offering in everything we do, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, but I know when, right, when my kids, remind me of the ways I've hurt them or what I couldn't give that I wanted to or where I messed up. Um, let's talk about that for a minute. Cause I think a lot of us mamas, no matter how high level we are, we feel the pain of that and the guilt mm-hmm. and the shame. And so this call from your kid, right? Huge, important stuff. I know you've been doing personal development for a long time. Your mental illness is I'm going to say better managed now from my understanding. Oh, it's so well managed. I'm yeah. doing great. So how did that feel for you, right? What was your experience in that? I mean, I know pride, right? Happy that you finally had the opportunity to kind of address this. But did you feel shame and guilt too? Um, At that moment, I didn't. But uh, I, so I, I talk about this child a lot, my oldest son, just because it it makes sense because it was the most recent interaction I had. But I remembered a very specific instance that I came home from a road trip and my anxiety was here because I'd been driving in LA and then driving through Nevada and been 14 hours in the car. And I walk in the house and he's so excited to see me. And he hands me a a locket with five stones in it for my children. And I took it from him and I gave him a hug with, and I walked into the house and it was a disaster. And I went off. I'm like, are you effing kidding me? Why can't you like, I take care of the house when the kids, you know, when you're gone and the yeah, kids are here yeah. and why this and why that? And everybody's, oh, yeah. enough, you know, and I just go off and, uh, my husband, you know, reacted inappropriately because he was in defense mode and fight yeah, or flight. Of course. Mode. Yeah. Yeah. Completely, completely normal. This sounds I, like a common yeah. household right now. Right. Yeah. 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 But, but the problem was I threw that locket. Oh no. And it broke his heart. Yeah. And I saw it break his heart and I immediately dropped to the ground and gathered everything up. And I, I tried to take him in my arms, but just a few weeks ago, I wrote him a letter and I'm like, this particular instance, this happened. And it was all on me. You were wonderful and perfect and giving and graceful. And you were all these things. But this particular moment, like you need to know that I do have guilt. I do have shame. And I do desperately mm-hmm. wish I could go back and do it differently because it was such a special moment that my mental illness ruined. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute because, right, I, I've been sharing that I too have been apologetic to my children whenever something comes up. And my next question was going to be, how do we manage, right? How do, how do we share with our listeners and viewers? How do we manage the shame and the guilt when we realize these things, right? When they come to fruition that that was, that was us, that was on us and, and we didn't do that well, right? Whatever that looked like. I, and, and I almost feel like we just answered that, right? So for me, and, and you answered so similarly for me, I have an impulse and I, I want to call it literally an impulse to go, and make it right with my child or as right as I can. 
now, mm-hmm. right? They have to be on the receiving end of that. So I can't make them anything. So my, I, I, I had another apology to my other kid from this letter thing I wrote or read. And he was like, okay, cool. Didn't bother me none. I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, okay, cool. I needed to apologize for me in that moment. I mean, I'm, I didn't know, right? One kid really needed it. The other kid didn't remember. Fine. I remembered. And so that was the question was, you know, how do we manage this guilt and shame when we reflect on moments that we, we did poorly in parenting? I want to say or that we, that we hurt them or we didn't do as good as we could. So it sounds like you too, right? Apologize. Yeah. And so through taking ownership, through apologizing and addressing that, any other tips for parents who seem to, seem to be living in a, a place of guilt of, you know, either doing things bad, wrong, poorly, or not enough. Any tips for those moms, even, even yeah. whether they are, you know, uh, struggling with mental illness or not. Cause I think mom guilt's just a big thing. It's, it's a huge thing. And it's because we only show people the bright and shiny side. You know, that's why I value my, my friendships so much because my children are older and they still have little kids. And I've, I've already learned the wrong, right? Yeah. yeah. So they call me or I get a text and it's, you know, this one's driving me nuts. Can you come get him? It's <laughs> this kid did this. It's I don't like my kid today. It's I screamed at my four-year-old and I shouldn't have. It's it's talking about it to trusted yeah. people because yeah. you need to know it's normal to have these emotions. It's normal yeah. to overreact. We are human freaking beings. Yeah. We're not perfect. And the guilt we feel is because we we see somebody else's life and it appears, it occurs to be perfect. <laughs> and I like this appears word. that way, yeah. you know, it's, and it's just so important. Moms, we need to talk about it. I'm not shy. Yeah. I'm not shy about having a mental illness. I'm not shy about the horrible things that I did and, and how I screamed constantly. I was always yelling. Yeah. And you know how, it, like you said, it would affect one and it wouldn't affect the other. And that's love languages. We got to touch on that. <laughs> we need to, we need to talk about mom guilt. We yeah. need to talk about it's okay to mess up, but own yeah. it. Go back, validate your child's feelings, validate your own feelings and, yeah. and explain why it happened, but don't excuse it. Yeah. No, that's what I was talking about with the frisbee hitting me in the face, right? Was some level of that she needed accountability. Some yeah, level absolutely. of that, I needed to take accountability that I overreacted in the moment. All right. And I did. I, I owned my part of that. I implied that she should own her part of that, which, as you know, teenagers really struggle with, with taking ownership mm-hmm. of anything. Uh, which is that, completely normal. Their amygdala isn't fully formed. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's kind of funny and, and, oh, don't shoot me for this because it's not super high level, but it's just true. I've been saying it for a while, right? This is why people like me because I'm raw and I'm honest. There's a point when you just don't like your kids. And if every parent out there is like, I love my kids all the time, I swear to God, you're lying because there's a point when they become teenagers that they just become awful for a little while. And I realize they don't mean to be that that's not their, like, they don't wake up going, how can we screw up mom's day today? But it feels yeah. that way. Oh, it feels that way for a while. Yeah. No, that's, that's absolutely, I, I did five teenagers, mind you. And five of them were teenagers at the same time. And cause I have five kids in six years. Yeah. And, uh, there were times like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, la- I mean, there's always that love there, right? You would do yeah. anything to protect them. Absolutely. But it's like, 
we've always had a big enough house where I could say, go to your room. And that wasn't for their sake. That was for my sake. Like, I need you to not be in front of me right now because I can't handle this. That's a whole other conversation, Carrie. That's a whole other conversation, right? My husband and I just talked about this. And, uh, and if you, if you study, and I know you do, uh, anything in psychology regarding children today, right? The word on the street is if you do that to your kid and you send them to their room, right? It's saying to them, and this is what happened to all of us. It's saying to them, you know what? We don't want to love you with these emotions. We can't love you when you aren't in a normal state, right? You need to be elsewhere away from us during that. And so how do you parent that? today, right? (laughs) How do you not just send them to their room and make them feel rejected because they're having big emotions or not knowing how to show them appropriately for the environment that you're in? That's, 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 I'm listening to Brene Brown right now and she actually just addressed this and it's, oh gosh, it's so amazing. Wait, where, where did you hear this? Cause I want to read it or listen. uh, I have two hours left of dare to lead. So somewhere in there, I'm listening. I've read it. I need to reread it, apparently. Yeah, it's really good. But we talked about giving space. You know, it's again, it's that taking that ownership. But if you, if you, you know, I don't send my kids to them as a punishment. They have their phone. They have their TV. They have access to Snapchat. They can tell how terrible their mother is. It's literally (laughs) that I, right now, I'm so heightened in my emotions. Yeah. I can't have this conversation right now. I need to come down so we can address this. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my second oldest daughter, she, uh, she, her love language is, is words of affirmation. Yeah. And I didn't know this until a lot later, but my biggest thing is when I, when I get really worked up, I may not be yelling, but I'm standing and they're yeah. sitting and I'm talking really loud and really fast. And it's like, I'm looming over her with this yeah, horrible. That's so intimidating. And yeah. Yeah. I have to remember to sit down and to look her in the eyes and meet her on her level. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, when I sit down, my voice gets softer. Yeah. When I've I'm heard up, the most, I'm just so up the most powerful time you or the most powerful yell you can give to your kids is a whisper. Yeah. Right. It, it, it truly is. I've, I've tried it with mine. I agree with getting on their level. We don't have a lot of time and you and I could talk yeah, forever. Yeah. Forever. So, I want to ask you, what do you think? Right. So for the moms that are in your position right now, right? Raise the kids. They're out. They're pretty much on their own. Um, and for the moms that are in it right now, right? Like myself, I've got teenagers, but even for the moms who have younger ones, what is your message to them? And I, you could address dads too, but parents who you're are froze. struggling with mel- mental sure illness. Speaking. Oh, okay. ah, we froze. Sorry. So those who have struggled with mental illness or are struggling. Oh, it says my internet is unstable. Sweet as. Um, well, we're going to keep trying. What's your message to them on a, how to get through it? What do you do once you've gotten through it? What do you, what do you say to them? What do they need to hear? What did you need to hear as you were going through it? So what I needed to, what I needed to know was that I could talk to my support system. Um, there was a lot of shame and guilt and I felt terrible and awful and I would stay in bed and cry for days. My sister would come over and just sit on the bed and pat my back. She was the only one that I could really like spill to. Even my husband was trying to, you know, handle the the atomic bomb I had set off. So he didn't have the capacity to take care of me. He yeah. was taking care of the kids in the house. But it's it's so important to tell your support system. And if you don't have a support system, find a mommy group 
on Facebook. Like, that sounds so intimidating somewhere. to me, Carrie. It it is intimidating, but you need right because I'm going to be judged, judged. mom. <laughs> yeah, but but everybody feels that way, and when you say, "I yelled at my kid today," yeah. somebody else is going to say, "You know, I did too." Right. Yeah. And, uh, and oh, I'd, like, I'd like to think okay. so. Right. That still. Right. This is I'm 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 reacting to this instead of responding. I'm reacting to this. So my first thought was even still to this day, I'm afraid to have mommy friends. Right. Most of my friends have raised their kids. They're like yourself who I can call and be like, dude, Carrie, my son's being a complete asshole today. Right. And I don't know what to do with him. And, and to get that reassurance from you, right? So I know I can talk to you, but the thought of joining a mom group or even making friends with some of my kids' parents or yeah, their parents is like, Oh, I do not want to open myself up to that judgment. And well, you know, so that's honest. Immediately. You know, you, so, get, yeah, what you do don't you t- open up immediately. You have to build that trust. You have to build that bubble. Maybe there's Samantha and Karen in the mommy group, but there's also Elizabeth and Joanna and mm-hmm. Elizabeth and Joanna are struggling the same way and they also need someone to talk to, but they're so scared. So you don't like mm-hmm. jump on the mommy group and be like, I'm a terrible mom. Oh my gosh. I lost <laughs> my kid today. But build those relationships and find your tribe. And then it it's kind of, you guys, it's so okay to talk about it. It is so okay because if we don't talk about it, we're going to be sitting in the shit alone. Yeah. So I want to talk about why we talk about it really quick. And, and I'm glad you brought up Brene Brown because one of the reasons we don't talk about it is the shame we feel, right? Because there's this societal expectation, which is so bullshit in the first place, but there's this societal expectation that we're perfect moms, however the hell that is defined. Um, and so we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to admit that we are not that perfect idealistic mom, right? We're, we're not on the cover of Home and Gardens magazine or, or Parenting Inc. or whatever the hell it is. We don't feel like we qualify, right? So to talk about that is to say that we are inadequate and that inadequacy, right, breeds shame. So we don't talk about it. And uh, I don't know if I'm putting you up for failure here, but Carrie, do you know what Brene Brown says about shame? Um, I, I, I listened to her book, but I haven't listened to all of her books. I've only been listening. to. And Daily. I don't know which book it's in because okay. I've just read them all. Um, yeah. But she says that the fastest way to breed more shame is to keep it in a dark, damp place, right? So hide it inside. This is you laying in your bed for days on end, right? This is hiding and festering shame. But the fastest way to get that shame to go away is to give it some air and some light. And that's when we open our mouths and we share, right? I've shared with you personally uh, a couple of things that I probably wouldn't share with other people that I felt ashamed of. Some of the things I've shared right here uh you know, live on this podcast, this is real. And and I don't want to feel shame because that creates suffering. And then I don't show up to my family, to my fans, to my clients as well, if if I'm harboring that shame for myself. So I do, I do share it so I can put some air on that shame, put some light on it and let it go because it's, it's rough. Yeah. Have you, so- have you experienced that where you've felt shame, you shared it, and then you instantly felt the weight lift? Oh, no, absolutely. Okay. So I know I know this isn't for everybody. And I understand that completely. But I'm I'm the flag bearer. I'm going to be the first one that says it because I want I want so desperately for other people to know. Um, you know, like an example, I was at a funeral earlier today. And it was the part where they say, does anybody want to come up and say a few words about her? And nobody moved. 
I didn't know her all that well, but I had some memories. Nobody moved. So I went up there and I talked and it, and then, and it was just a flood of people. It's being the first person. It's it's scary. It's terrifying. And you don't have to share everything, share a little bit and see who you can trust that. So that that's a conversation we were just having about connection, right? A conversation I was just having, sorry, not we, but if we don't, I, I just said this to my 15 year old, if we don't show people who we are, they don't have anything to connect with. Yeah. Right. They don't. And, and they're looking for that as desperately as you are. Right. So maybe it's that you like, and I said this, I think on a podcast recently, maybe it's that you like Pokemon or maybe it's that you like, um, dogs or, I mean, it could be anything, right. You like fishing, hunting, or you don't, right. You hate it. Um, share who you are. And that gives you points of connection. Yeah. But when we, when we are like afraid of being judged because we like Pokemon, which I do, by the way, this is why I'm talking about it. Cause I, I am, I do feel a little embarrassed that I love Pokemon Go, but it's like one of the funnest things for my family. Um, cause it gets us out. Anyways, I love Pokemon Go. So hey, if you're a Pokemon Goer out there, reach out. I want to be friends with you so we can exchange gifts and rack up our powder or our whatever pixie dust. I don't know what it's called. Anyways, but we, we have to share, right? We have to share little vulnerable pieces of us to allow those roots to develop with others, right? We got to give them a place to plant roots with us. And if we don't, if we don't, if we're just armored up all the time, we're not going to create connection or feel seen or heard or understood or any of those things. And that's true with our kids too, right? Like your vulnerability with your son to say, dude, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Sorry, Carrie dude, I was a wreck. Yeah. Right. And I've Um, used those words. (laughs) You put it in my mouth. Exactly. I was a wreck. Neurodivergent or not, mental illness or not. When you're a mom and you're raising kids, it's hard. If you're a single, if you're a single dad, same thing. Oh yeah. A dad who's, you know, this generation, they get more involved in their children's lives. My husband all the time says it's all my fault. You know, and, and like my kid does this because of me. And I'm like, dude, you can't take that trauma on. Right. Like it was, it was, first of all, it was both of us, right? Yeah. We made mistakes because we didn't know better, mm-hmm. but we're going to make mistakes. We're going to screw up. We're going to feel sh- shame and guilt. You just have I'm going to share a link. Um, there's a fantastic, uh, ball professor. There's a fantastic professor that shares a video about. Try us trying to take uh, credit for who our kids are or are not and and the reality of the science behind how our kids are kind of created and who they're going to be. Uh, I will drop that in the YouTube um, in the in the YouTube description when I have that up and, and I'll try to comment it in our Facebook, too, so you can find it. I don't know. Maybe I can put it in the description of our podcast. We'll see. I'm still new at that. So forgive me. But Carrie, thank you. So if you could give people three quick takeaways um, for the, for, for their struggles with their own mental health and raising kids, no matter where they're at in the journey, what would be the three tips you would give them? So first of all, is become an expert about your mental illness, learn everything you can about it, because if you don't know anything about it, you can't do anything about it. Right. Love that. Yep. Secondly, seek help. There's this national suicide hotline. I've called when I was driving and said, I don't need to talk about suicide. I just need you to talk to me about our dogs, our day, our breakfast until I get where I'm going. 
if you don't have to call just about suicide, call when you're in crisis. Um, use the support systems around you. If you have a mental illness and the, the medicine regimen you're on isn't working, you go to your doctor and say, oh my gosh, this is terrible. This is not working. I need to try another one. And it sucks. And it takes years sometimes. But I'm more me than I've ever been. And it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And then finally, find a support system and talk yes. about it. Because yes. everybody feels it. We're all feeling it. Be the flag bearer. Don't take all your armor off at once, you know, because you are, you are vulnerable because there are terrible people out there that are going to shame you because they're hiding their own shame. Oh, it's projection. It's so projection. Yeah. But yes, you're so take right. Take off a little bit of armor. And if it's, if it's your best friend, your sister, your neighbor, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's on a mommy group on Facebook. It, it just, your parents, you, know, you can call your mom and be like, oh my gosh, how did you do this? Because I'm struggling. What did, yeah. what did you do with me? Yeah. Oh you God, know? that's so real. <laughs> don't just don't give up, you know, and it's okay. It's okay to apologize for yelling at your kids. It's okay to validate their feelings. You don't want to tell them they were wrong because then they don't trust their feelings. And that's trauma that carries Ooh. on. Yeah. Tanika grew up with that. That was rough. So Carrie, you have a lot going on. You're not necessarily a professional speaker, coach, author, podcaster. Um, maybe you're podcasting. Now I know your husband has one. Um, but you do some big things. Um, uh, you're, you do Idaho or I do Idaho weddings. So mm-hmm. Carrie is an amazing wedding planner and, um, she also runs one of the biggest most valuable events in Twin Falls, Idaho. It is the Business Summit. It's coming up in May. Am I right? Yeah, the Idaho Business Summit is May 10th. We have amazing speakers. Tanika was on the panel. I was very valuable. I I plan on having her as a main speaker in the upcoming years when I find the right fit. Um, But it's, it's an amazing group of local community leaders, national speakers, regional people, and it's, it's getting real. Yeah. So I always, I always ask my speakers, how can people find you, right? They listen to this. They love Carrie and what she's about. How can they get more of you or get in touch with you? Uh, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not a podcaster or a speaker. I just love having these crucial conversations. Um, I'm on Facebook. That's where I, I'm on Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and all the other. <laughs> but Facebook, I, I share my struggles. I share the crap. And I get people who reach out to me and maybe I don't have the energy right then because I barely have the energy for myself. But when they say I went through a terrible depressive episode and this woman reached out to me and said, because of you, I went to my physician to figure out what was wrong with me. Turns out it was thyroid issues. I'm on medication and I feel all better. It mm-hmm. could be something so simple or it yeah. could be like, I'm really in it. I'm fine having those crucial conversations. Message me. Maybe not at two o'clock in the morning, but if you're in crisis, you know, I'll try. Um, but there's, there's the J foundation, there's the crisis center, there's the national suicide hotline. If you're in crisis, you call somebody, but if you just have mom questions or need to vent, dude, message me. Yeah, I'm make here. friends with her on there. And I love people. Where can they get tickets? Cause I mean, if they're in the area or even nearby, and I mean, this is worth flying in for you guys. It is, is, is it one day this year? Cause then it was one day last year. It's it's one day plus a VIP event the night before and six months following there's a mastermind group. So the VIP awesome. is extremely valuable. But just to get your general admission tickets or your VIP tickets, you go to uh the Idaho biz or Idaho oh crap. <laughs> we 
We changed it. I have it right here. IdahoSummit.com. IdahoSummit.com. You guys, that's where you can get Idaho. If you just look for the Idaho Business Summit, it'll come up. I will be there. I am so excited. Carrie really just knocks it out of the park. Um, and, and she started without really knowing what she was doing, just knowing that she wanted to do it. So she's been a huge inspiration in, in figuring out what it takes and making it better every year. This is the third year, Carrie. This is the third year. I am so excited. I know several of the speakers. I've actually had some of the speakers already on my podcast. I'm stoked. Um, but you can, you can find that at the website. I Google it, the Idaho Business Summit. You're going to find it. That's the easiest way. Um, if you can remember what Carrie said, business, nope, Idaho Summit. TheIdahoSummit.com. summit.com You guys, thank you, Carrie. I, I know that these conversations aren't super easy, but like you said, they are crucial. Um, right. We, we put ourselves out there for a lot of ridicule. Um, and I'm ready for it because I'm willing to have these conversations. If I make 10 people comfortable and get ridiculed by one, I'm okay. I am okay yeah. with that. Yeah. You have to be willing to, to, let yourself out there. So um, I appreciate you having me on. I do have a doctor's appointment. I have to get I know to. It. I'm trying to um, kick you out. Nice I know I'm going, I'm going, but it was wonderful. Uh, I love you. I can't wait to talk to you. Yes. We'll go have coffee or wine or something soon. Um, everybody who's watching, just, just don't quit. Just find, find your tribe, look harder and study. Yes, absolutely. I've that, that is what led me to being a coach was studying all of the issues that I was facing and right. I didn't know the words for them. I found them through study. And then once you know the words, the labels, you can find so much more information. And that is so helpful. Um, in any kind of diagnosis, even if you're not diagnosed, right? Searching for it helps. So thank you, Carrie Eskridge. I was so happy to have you on. I will definitely catch up with you for coffee. And I think we should have a whole other one about mom guilt at some point in the future. Yes. Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Dawning Bliss Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. For more podcasts and personal coaching, please visit us at dawningbliss.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.